Well then, good morning, sir. And good morning to you. How are what, you? Miss? No, that's not. I think. I Ms. Miss? Ms. What do you I prefer? Uh, Ms. Doctor, Ms. but I've not yet kind of taken the steps to get those credentials, so that would be inappropriate. Aspirational <laughs> yeah, that's my aspirational title. Uh, I guess Ms. I don't know. I never, nobody ever calls me any of those things. Yeah. Well, what's up, KG? <laughs> when was the last time you were called Mr. Something? I don't know. What did yeah. you just call me, sir? Or, yes. Yeah. 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 What's the like, you know, because you can be like, what's up, sir? What's the equivalent there? Like, uh, I don't know because sir is like an official title right that that like you can get knighted in the uk and then i think you become a sir is that correct also my aspiration yes <laughs> <laughs> but can women be knighted as sirs or can they be knighted at all i don't know you're you're knighted as a ma'am <laughs> <laughs> sounds much less powerful i'll be honest yeah, no it's brutal you gotta work That'd on that brutal. one i'm gonna do some research into that i i, I don't know i feel like every time i hear about someone getting knighted it's a man so which I guess maybe because there's no female knights. Anyways, well. Things to note for <laughs> next time. Uh, female knights and looking into them. So. How's your weekend going? Uh, pretty good. What is a weekend these days? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like mine probably still feel a little bit more like weekends than yours because i have like a day job like not not, not that you don't Burn. do anything with your days but i have like i don't know specific Stuff obligations yeah from monday to friday yeah no that's fair it definitely i don't know yeah i feel like i'm working a lot still but it definitely you know it's more like a little bit of work each day rather than just like uh you know stop it friday or saturday so yeah that's fair i uh I hear you. I've been like, I was actually thinking like as I was writing notes for the podcast, how like that's one thing that I struggle with is like, well, either not doing work on the weekend, like I do work or if I don't, I feel guilty. So it's almost like either way is not ideal. And so I'm trying to, I've been trying to like think a little bit more about that or even like just trying to step away from that guilt of taking a break um, because it's like not as much fun to take a break when you're feeling guilty the whole time um yeah it's, it's yeah, interesting 100%. Yeah, yeah it's like it's not a good feeling that's for sure and it's it's in my nature but um yeah it's something i was actually thinking about this morning yeah you gotta you know find ways to take time for yourself and and enjoy them like you know as though it's okay which which it is totally so totally and i think that the company that i'm working at right now the work-life balance is actually great um in terms of like i don't really get you know, messages in the evening or on the weekends and people aren't working during those times. So that's super great. But I still think I have this mentality that if there is unfinished work, I should be doing it on the weekend rather than just resuming it on Monday. And I don't know why that is like there's time on Monday to do these things generally. But for some reason, I feel like if there's unfinished work, which there always is, that I should be doing it on a weekend. And I, I don't know if it's just happened from years of doing that, I guess. Or yeah. working at places where that was the expectation. Yeah, I I don't know. I I understand the same feeling because like yeah, you kind of build this work habit, and yeah, I don't know. Right now, I'm working with others on this project, even and just you know, I I know I put in like way more time, and I'm not asking anyone to put in 
as much time as I do, you know, Mm -hmm. on it because like, you know, I made it and I'm like really, I don't know. It's just like, it's kind of something I enjoy doing. Like a hobby of mine is also coding and all this stuff. So I I do consider it like a hobby, but yeah, I I also recognize uh, that it's like, you know, not everyone is just like working all the time or, and nobody should be. And I'm not, I'm not working all the time, but working pretty steady especially these days when gabby is like my my partner gabby is like on doing a course with hacker you and so she's really like going all in on this she has homework every night and stuff so you know i'm also not one to really just sit and watch tv so i'd rather spend it i don't know building something or coding or learning something yeah i think that makes sense yesterday i was like i'm also not one i'm not much one for for watching TV. My partner watches a decent amount of like TV and movies and things like that. So my, my time doing that has increased, but still I, I, I don't really like it that much. Um, and yesterday I was feeling like the weather was bad. I didn't want to work. I wasn't sure what to do. Like I, I was just like, I, for, for a period of time, I just sat on my couch. Like, I don't know what to do right now. And my partner just walked by and he's like, you really need to get a hobby. So then I proceeded <laughs> to go on like a two and a half hour walk because I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm so bored. Um, I like and I don't feel like working right though, now. You know, hmm? but like you have hobbies, but they're some of them almost are like workish hobbies. Like when you're trying to learn like electrical engineering on raspberry <laughs> pies, like that's, you know, not a easy mind numbing activity. That's like, you know (laughs) yeah i also think like one of my biggest hobbies is kind of just like walking around and exploring and like going to a new cafe or like meeting up with someone here and doing maybe a little chunk of work and so i think my my like my schedule especially in terms of when the weather gets nicer feels so like impossible now in terms of those being the things i like to do on a saturday morning or whatever it is um yeah. And often it's like, I'll go on those walks. I'll sit, maybe I'll do like an hour, half an hour of work, but I'll, I'll pre- predominantly I'll just chat with like a friend or someone that I meet up with. Um, so I definitely really miss, um, that type of, a that type of a flow on, on the weekends. Yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. So um, why don't we, uh, jump into your week? I feel like, uh, my updates are, are quite light this week. I'll be honest. Um, mainly because work has been, um, very busy, but I'm, I'm sure you've had a lot going on. I've been seeing, um, you know, little insights into that on Twitter and, and Instagram. Yeah, it's been, I don't know, a steady week. I would say not like my most productive week, but also, um, yeah, there's some interesting stuff going on. Uh, so the first order of business is Gabby and I made maple bacon ice cream yesterday. Oh, wow. Tell me more. <laughs> oh, man. How did you... It's so funny because I was literally looking up on Pinterest yesterday like how to make ice cream. So I must know everything. Yeah, Gabby's been making ice cream. And then I was like, I can also make ice cream if you help me. And we're going <laughs> to do this kind. And she's like, that's not a flavor. And I was like, yeah, but you know, it is. And then I Googled it and everything exists already. So, um, so yeah, I found a recipe. Maple. Yep cover it in some brown sugar, put it in the oven. That was hard to clean after. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, like maple syrup? All the sugar. Like I put brown sugar o- yeah. kind of on it. Uh, yeah, sugar likes to burn itself onto things. Yeah. Whatever. Next part is you take it out and then you, you chop that up into little bits. And then, yeah, put it in with like, what does Gabby use? Like whipping cream yeah. and condensed milk. 
and maybe something else. And then we kind of like whip all that together and then put in the, the maple syrup, the bacon, and and then some, oh, we put in Oreo cookies, these cinnamon <laughs> ones. Man, it's just like a bucket of sugar. Um, but it's so delicious. I We did this late last night and this morning I woke up at like, whatever, 8.30 and like ran to the freezer to try it. And it's... <laughs> Oh, because oh, you just tried it this morning. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. How does it taste having like actual bacon in it though? Is it weird texture wise or it's like reasonable? No, the key though is like make it crispy bacon. Like it's it's basically candied. So it's really sweet because yeah. of the brown sugar. Um, But like I think it would be really weird. We almost didn't cook it enough. Like I put it in the oven and took it out. It was still like not, you know, f- it you know, there's different levels of bacon. There's like well done and like kind of like some people like it chewy. And I don't think chewy is what you want for this. Just going to throw that out there. I'm definitely making bacon at minimum after this. I have bacon in the fridge and now I now all I want is bacon. Yeah, we have some leftover candied bacon. I, w- I would recommend it <laughs> if you can find a way to not set everything on fire. Um, <laughs> so that's order number one. Uh, yeah, the next thing I have on my list here is... I registered a corporation. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was horror. It was fine. <laughs> it was, <laughs> was it, Cam? It, it was all right. Tell me your feelings. I was really worried about this or just like how to go about doing this. You've kind of, you know, go on to the corporation registration of the CRA feeling like, you know, three kids in a suit like trying to get into a movie theater like you know yeah like standing on top of each other's shoulders like (laughs) you're you're like i'm not a real business owner but uh i promise i am you know and and yeah so it's just like you know there's all these hesitations around what you should do but it really does kind of walk you through it i always find though anytime i go to the cra it's like a guessing game of whether the link I'm going to click is going to just send me in this recursive loop back to where I was originally. And like, I feel like, and then eventually I get to sign in or actually start the registration process of whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, I, so yeah, I did that because you can use these services like owner or like you search business registration and all these ones will come up that are like, you know, five or 600 bucks or something. Yeah. I've seen Um, that. But you can just do it yourself. It costs two hundred dollars. Um, yeah, I got some tips from a friend who's a lawyer, or yeah, he's a lawyer, and he was just like, you know, basically get the standard, like do whatever it tells you to do. Make sure you have two classes of shares, like to keep it simple. Also, none yeah. of this is my legal advice. Uh, just for anyone who's thinking of doing this and then, you know, kind of just set up like that. And then the next thing you have to do is set up your like articles of incorporation once it gets approved and everything and articles, articles of corporation or sorry, that's going to be your, like what you get out of it. Um, and then you have to set up your shareholders agreement. So for like, you know, how many shares. And so I'm still working on that part, but, um, I registered actually, you kind of do the submit request to register. And I re- requested to to do a named business because I just thought like I want Beer Finder Inc. Yeah. or LTD or whatever. Uh, and I got the response the next day, not allowed because <laughs> Molson owns a trademark yeah. called 
beer finders. Uh, uh, really f- kind of a funny story, but it's also annoying. They have a trademark called beer finders. Looked into it. They registered or they like started using this in 1998 for this campaign that they did for like little things that you put on your beer to find it. Oh, okay. A little wine tag kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, And because of that, and they've renewed it since, you know, this trademark. But because of that, I was not able to register because it's similar and it can be confusing apparently. Interesting. You know, there's probably someone out there who watched a commercial <laughs> 20 plus years ago and is thinking, oh, the, the beer finders are coming back. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. Mine's getting quite old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it made me so, so rattled. Um, cause I so did, then what? I did this like lookup too to make sure like you can do this named lookup. And um, it's called the Nuance Report, I guess. And it tells you other corporations. I didn't really know that you had to look up also trademarks and trade whatever they're called, other stuff, you know, and make sure there's nothing similar or confusing there. Uh, So what I proceeded to do, which I probably shouldn't have done, was I was like, you know what? I don't want to disappoint my team. I'm going to go and, you know, I looked up on the registration record for beer finders and I found uh, a name on there for who registered it. And I yeah. went on LinkedIn and I found this person who works at Legal in Molson. And I sent her a message uh, saying, hey, like, can we, because you need to get permission from the copy or the trademark holder to use oh, it. Okay. Um, and then I, immediately after sending this message of thinking like, you know, hey, big beer conglomerate like person you're probably really nice do you want to just let us have this like i never heard back and now they know that we're trying to do this thing that's like in their you know exact like they own something related to it so feeling i felt kind of dumb about that but it also just raised the issue that it's something we actually have to be aware of is like if this ever goes anywhere then there is you know potential that this could become an issue so it's kind of good to flag it sooner than later that yeah uh, anyway so i ended up yeah just registering the corporation as uh, a numbered corporation got it and then you can change it to uh or you can register it as numbered which almost everyone does um you get a number ours is what do you call it a palindrome is that palindrome like it goes the same both ways yeah oh nice yeah it's good because it's easier to remember though i can't remember what it is right now (laughs) um (laughs) with time yeah and then you can say operating as and get this request to operate as this name or whatever got it oh i see i see i see and that was approved like immediately and so yeah uh that's officially a thing now and you know it was a bit of work but it's nothing that anyone can't handle um the next parts are probably going to be trickier of just like now i have to figure out yeah taxes and the legal parts but um yeah whatever (laughs) the stuff (laughs) true 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 true. yeah whatever not that fun yeah Um, that's fair yeah okay so after so that's the corporation stuff also spent a lot of time worrying about like SEO search engine optimization and kind of like copywriting 
um, I kind of dove into this world a lot this week because I was looking at like, I don't know how to rank for like Ottawa, you know, beer delivery and Toronto beer delivery and Cambridge beer delivery. And like, you know, what are the ways that you can do that? And I saw there was like some other, you know, a a classic kind of thing that businesses will do is have city specific pages Mm -hmm. for like those different markets that they serve and then direct users to them. Um, And I was going to do that, but it sounds like Google actually can like um, ding you for having very similar content on different pages. You know, if you just replace like city name for this. And I was trying to think of ways to do that. It just ended up being pretty complex. And what I found is like, basically, as long as you kind of have like the content on the page like it should be smart enough to figure that out so i ended up doing a bunch of like on-site kind of changes that may or may not help in any way but basically the one that i think could have the most impact is now when you come to beer finder you and you haven't set a location because we will remember that for next time when mm-hmm. you come to Beer Finder, it will give you this input box and says, like, enter your city. So you type it in. And under that is, like, a whole list of, of different cities or regions. And it kind of filters down uh, and narrows down on it until it picks your city. So the part of that is, like, when you come to the site and you're Google, all of these cities show up on the, the site. Now, obviously, that's a horrible user experience on mobile to have to scroll through that every time, which is why we put the search box. And also, when you select it, it will remember it for next time so mm-hmm. that you only see the cities once. And Google d- isn't going to, like, the bot usually doesn't click around on, like, um, buttons and stuff. And so, it's not going to, like, get stuck in a city. So, that's kind of my solution. It. And then also just putting a bit of text that's more, um, you know, just re shaping the title, reshaping the description and um, and kind of the first few paragraphs seem to be quite important for how you describe yourself online. Got um, it. That's kind of the on-site, on-page stuff you can do. And then a lot of it really comes down to off-site SEO, which is where you get like other people are talking about you. And oh, that, so other other websites like in the beer industry or like reputable sources with what they call high domain authority and Mm -hmm. page authority um, are going to are going to like give you links and Google kind of like, you know, it's, it's all a bit of a gray black box here, but the assumption is that it really weights those highly when you have a lot of links pointing to you. Yeah. Especially if those links seem to say something like if it's not just the website URL, but you know, you can have like a named link that is like tool for finding beer delivery. Yeah. You know, that's like ideal because it tells Google from this source that is like highly reputable that they're kind of trusting you in their inner circle. And if you get trusted into all these circles, you know, typical oh. pyramid scam. Very interesting. I never, I honestly never knew about that side of it at all. I know next to nothing about SEO other than like base, basic concepts. Um, so that's pretty interesting. I would definitely recommend, okay, Moz, M-O-Z. Or yeah, I've, Z, I've used it for something before, but continue. 
Um, not even like, so I have signed up for their tool because, you know, it has a free plan that you can do a few things a month and, you know, it's kind of limiting, but like, yeah. it's still cool that you can run some link checks and stuff, but they have this one hour guide to SEO video and oh. I'll put that in the show notes. I think I even might've mentioned it last week, but, um, if you're like building anything on the internet, period. I think it's really good to to just watch this one hour and yeah. it's going to give you so much more detail around what you should just know for like whether you're a developer, a PM or a marketer. Like there's all this stuff that it just talks about all these things in kind of like 20 minute videos or 10 minute videos. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's like super helpful to to just have some of that context when you're making decisions. Interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. And I, I, I actually, somebody was talking to me recently about trying to figure out SEO for their site. So I'll send that along. Yeah, what else? Um, we were working a lot on pricing and kind of like developing an initial pricing plan. Uh, I think we've kind of narrowed in on like what we're going to start with cool. um, for like several tiers. Um, I mean, I'm happy to even yeah get into it like just um, not too much or not in too much detail, but basically the thinking and this might change as we even talk to breweries. So, mm-hmm. um, so who knows, but what our main thinking is we want to have a free tier and that tier. So the, the model is like breweries would be on the site by membership. It's a monthly membership to be on the site we would have a free tier so that breweries will be on the site no cost it kind of helps us to have those numbers and have like be the definitive resource like if we start cutting out breweries it's not going to be great Mm -hmm. um for the end user to really be searching for stuff but the thinking is we won't link to their site from ours we'll just list them in the results um so that's kind of the free free plan um but you can still search them but they're also going to show up at the bottom of the res- bottom of the results got it the first the first plan that we're thinking of starts at 99 a month and that is basically the cost of like one to 1.5 orders mm-hmm. uh so if a brewery can make one sale through the site then it's kind of paid for itself yeah um and you know there's the added benefit that you're on the site with the visibility you know so that's our main thinking uh there i i think it should be an easy enough sell to get people trying that um but yeah it it just you know we'll see because i have no idea what what breweries are going to say to that um and then it kind of goes up from there in terms of like how much visibility you get and you know ability to add like promo codes and um you know the thinking is always like if you have multiple options there's always going to be someone who wants to spend the least and someone who's like i don't care what it costs give me the best we want to be the top most yeah exactly uh and so that's why we're trying to cover all those bases and uh and yeah, like so. I think the next one up is going to be around two fifty ish. You know, with those extra features, and you're also displayed more prominently. And uh, yeah, we're considering another tier, but that's kind of where we're at. 
Cool. I mean, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to test it out. I, uh, yeah, I think it's one of those things that you'll, you'll learn more as you speak to breweries and, and depending what you do on the site, you'll hopefully learn from how users are navigating that and responding to it as well. Yeah. It's the one part that I dislike about this model is like shifting the results uh, from just being the natural search that would come up mm-hmm. to being skewed towards, you know, memberships. Um, it's the unfortunate kind of like pull of uh, having this like marketplace or like advertising kind of situation. It's uh, yeah. it's really hard it's to win for everyone. Sorry, sorry. I think it's unfortunately the reality of directories. Did you take some time to look into how other directories like sell membership plans? Did you base any of this off of that or? Uh, I have like investigated a bit. Uh, I don't have full like details on all the, you know, I didn't do a comprehensive report on it, but Mm -hmm. a lot of directories do um, affiliate programs. And the, you know, that just assumes that the people that we're directing them to or the, the sites that we're directing them to have an affiliate program. Uh, I see. And that's not the case right now. Um, it. But it is a consideration for future is like, hey, if you get an affiliate program, we'll put you on the site, you know, at a lower cost or a no, yeah. at no cost or something and then just take a percentage. You know, that's yeah. a play that we can do down the road. But I think at this point, like all these businesses are just hopping online and don't even have that type of plan set up. So yeah, I don't think it's realistic. So yeah, we just decided to go with this membership type of plan. And um, yeah, there is like one kind of um, tip that someone from the microconf community gave me uh, on that is like, you know, if you have seasonality in what you're doing, try and push for annual. Um, We don't necessarily know about seasonality, but we do know there's a big focus right now on, um, on delivery. And so, you know, trying to push to annual in the early stages would help us a lot, especially mm-hmm. to give some upfront capital to work with, to put towards, you know, SEO ads, social media, that type of stuff that yeah. we need to double down on now. Uh, so we'll try and push for, for that. But also I want to make sure that we're delivering value in the long term. So making sure that we're, you know, if, if people stop visiting the site that we don't get paid, like it should be like that. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Making sure that we're, um, not just taking people's money. So. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting. Like, there's like obviously huge benefit to locking in that money early. But the the other interesting thing about having people on monthly plans is you can very quickly see if people feel that you're continuing to provide them value or not. And so I don't know. Like, it's it's an interesting indicator to be able to make shifts. Whereas if you have a bunch of people on an annual plan and they started around the same time, it's great you have all this money up front, but might you have a massive drop off one year from now and, and, and not have the insights of people kind of trickling off to make those adjustments. Um, cause that could be quite, um, detrimental as well. So I think anyways, it's an interesting, interesting thing to consider, but I know that like generally, especially with kind of SaaS products, people are always heavily leaning towards getting those annual memberships. Yeah. But that's a really good point. And, you know, part of how we can solve that is just to keep ongoing communication of like, you know, how are you finding like what are your results like is it going well like is there anything we can do to improve that because really you know the plan wouldn't be like take that money up front and run it's like take that money up front and reinvest into you know good advertising and and good like making sure that we're a top resource that people visit so 
So yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's it's tricky because it's less measurable from our end when we're the middle person and we get these, you know, say we spend on ads, get people on a site, or we have all this organic traffic, get people on a site, making sure that when they get through to the next site that they're actually like, you know, in a purchase mode. That's what we won't have straight numbers on unless we do affiliate programs. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. But I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head of basically it's like continuing to be super mindful about that communication with the breweries and, and ensuring that it is valuable for them, which, yeah, should be kind of the the first way that, that you're thinking about things. So, yeah, I think it's very interesting. The only other thing is like yesterday I was looking at getting a business bank account um, set up. Man, I, I can't deal with these bank websites or like... You know, they might have like a nice landing page, but as yeah. soon as you click through, it's like this old Java applet that takes like five minutes to load and it's so, so bad. And I'm absolutely a lot not of them surprised. Are, oh, yeah. And so many of them you have to call, you know, to like schedule or go into the branch. And it's like, yeah. but your branches are all closed as they should be. Like adapt this process. And I honestly can't, you know, I'm booking something like a call with RBC tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the major, I don't know, Canadian banks. Um, but I'm not excited about it. Like there's no <laughs> tool out there that I'm like, you know what? That looks like it'll be great for just like simple online, you know, get set up really quickly and then have, you know, bank connected to the Stripe account. Like it's such a terrible process trying to yeah. find that. Well, that's it's interesting, I guess. If they haven't been forced to innovate it, they're just, yeah, leave yeah. it as is, which is not surprising. But this would be one of the areas that that is, you know, not very far from immune to that. Yeah. So that's all I got this week, I think. Cool. Yeah, lots what's of, going on with you? Yeah, I was going to say, you have lots of fun things on like the, the business side of things in this past week. Um, lots of learning. I'm learning a lot just by listening to you kind of go through this. So it's super cool. Uh, I guess... I should say that like on the personal side, I've been taking the stairs pretty much every day, two or three times a day, 23 flights. It gets you pretty quickly. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, that that's been like the only exercise in my life, but I think it's been important to like keep something in there. So yeah, I think that's fair. I am in terms of exercise. I like, I really fallen off since quarantine. I really like, enjoy I particularly enjoy weightlifting and running and um I think I was on a a bit of a downswing even before quarantine and then now that I can't go to the gym I've been struggling and then every time I go for a run there's a lot of people around but I've been trying to just like in the past week like just get back to running and try to go on routes where there aren't a lot of people it's it's still tricky um but i'm just trying to figure out how to like make it a a part because it changes my mood so drastically and so even yesterday i was like you know a bit in a bit of pain from some of the running that i did so i went and i walked over to brickworks which was awesome i mean usually i love going to brickworks which for people who don't know it's kind of it's literally an old brickwork in toronto but it's converted into like a very beautiful city park with like ponds and trails and all of that um and so generally there's like a big market there and i love the energy and i love going there so obviously that's not on there was still like a decent amount of people there but you can see that the wildlife is so much more active like i actually was watching these they're not ducks but they look like ducks i don't know what they were they were these black birds and they were literally like this one was like fishing. what would you say 
They're called cormorants. Oh, are they? Yeah. Um, that's what that's what my brother said. But then I sent him a photo, and he's like, "Nope, that's not what it is." So I don't know. Huh. I'll send you a pic after. We'll put it in the show notes. But I was yeah. actually watching it like fish, like it would go under the water and come up, and I saw it eating fish, which I don't think I've ever witnessed in my life. So, and I got a video of one of it happening like one time. Uh, so that's that was pretty cool. cool. Then I just kind of wandered the trails over there. It was a bit chilly yesterday. It snowed, so that was lovely. Um, but actually, yeah. <laughs> actually, like I didn't, I didn't end up outside during the snow, and it, the temperature was pretty reasonable. Like when you're walking around, um, yeah. So I'm gonna just try to focus on that. But I'm, I'm really not a big fan of the at-home workouts. So uh, yeah, I think running will be it for me. Um, in terms of work. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, same as the past couple of weeks, it's been busy working with new teams, which has been great. Um, I'm learning a lot. I'm meeting a lot of really interesting people. I think, um, the most interesting thing, um, that I did in the last week, which I was preparing for the past couple of weeks was doing a fairly large scale retrospective, um, with the hardware team, uh, specifically for a camera product that we just released. Um, so, as you can imagine, it's something that has been in the works for a few years. So running a retrospective on anything that's been going on for two years is like quite a feat. Um, but there's a lot of really like interesting online tools that make this type of facilitation more easily, more easy. So specifically, I used um, a platform called draft.io. And it's a really cool like whiteboard, blackboard type platform where you have like a ton of different types of objects like sticky notes and there's a bunch of templates but they're all like votable and easily like easy to duplicate and and drag mm. and add have you used it before no i haven't it's quite similar to another site called miro if anyone has used that um but they have a really decent free plan where basically you can make as many boards as you want you're just limited to 500 items on the board which most retros that i do are never going to hit 500 items mm. um that was also a challenging session just because of the the nature of the people that were in the room. So majority was kind of like director level up. So they're very busy people. So getting them engaged in a two hour session is like quite a feat. Um, but it went really well. And I, I absolutely just kind of love learning about their process. Uh, they do a lot of work in managing external vendors, which like it's, so it's pretty heavy on like project management, vendor management, that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it was mm -hmm. fascinating. I learned a lot. It was quite successful. And um, I'm just learning more and more about kind of online tools and facilitating remotely. And um, I, yeah, it's been it's been interesting to kind of play around with that. Yeah, that's cool. I want to ask about like, were there any insights that came like, I don't want to get into any like uh, internal stuff. Are there any general like ahas that you can speak to from from running a session like that or um you know, yeah. that the group kind of takes away. I don't want to get into like anything like within the company or anything. Totally. Like um, in terms of actually running sessions like that, something that I had some success with uh, for previous sessions was using Zoom breakout rooms. So I find that the more and more people that you have on a large call, the higher and higher the amount of people are going to be that are disengaged. Generally at maximum, I found that there's going to be like five to six people engaged in a large call like it, it and like it, it will be less than that if you have a smaller group so this was a group of about 13 and like as i imagine there's about five to six people engaged i because zoom is not a preferred or it's not an internal tool at our work we didn't end up using it but i used it with other teams previously and so i took a team of about 11 and split it up and then as the host i actually have the ability to swap between the two rooms and then it was so great because both 
both groups were completely engaged. And even though when we came back to the the wider group discussion, not everyone was talking like those those thoughts from each person were already baked into the discussions we were having. So um, I found that really useful. I think just the nature of um, of video calls is completely different than 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 in-person conversation. And um, yeah, I think engagement can be a, a very tricky thing. But I think the most important thing for me also is just like having activities where everybody has to do some element of independent work, whether it's like idea generation, voting, um, like a, a, a turn for speaking. Uh, it's kind of really important to 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 have that conversation flowing, especially for people who are maybe not familiar with doing sessions like this. Um, those are some of the learnings from my side. Yeah, Gabby um, it is like just finishing up a, a course or not a course, but like a, a project mm-hmm. and it's like a group project. And I know that she was saying like it can be challenging, you know, like because some people and we've probably all experienced this where some people are just going to sit back and not say much. Uh, and then like the louder voices end up shaping the direction of these projects. If you don't have like tools like what or, or processes like what you're saying to kind of like get everyone's feedback. And I kind of gave her some suggestions around like, you know, in um, in an ideal environment, maybe you would kind of instead of just like having a a phone or like zoom meeting and like anyone goes ahead and talks like you facilitate it in more of a way that does encourage like everyone goes and writes down an idea and brings it to the table and Mm -hmm. votes and that type of system and you know it's still going to have some bias towards it but i think it like can come out uh better balanced and making sure that everyone is engaged uh because yeah some people might have thoughts but they're just sitting back they don't want to get in the way of like people i don't know that are um already going at it or they're not that like just they're not that um opinionated about it so they'll go with the flow and someone articulated this idea to me that uh i thought like i just it really resonated with me and they're speaking about how in group situations we've all been in the situation where we have a thought but that and we want to say it, but then the conversation progresses right past it and you just you don't get that thing out. And when he said this, I, I just thought, wow, yes, every I think everyone does resonate with that feeling. But no, I've never heard somebody articulate that out loud before. Um, and so I think what we want to do is put systems in place where um, people have the opportunity to to do that without feeling like they're interrupting or needing to kind of like sneak their way into the conversation. Another interesting thing that um, we did within our chapter recently, it's called the style of meeting is called an apocalypse. And I learned out of this that apocalypse doesn't always mean end of the world. Apparently, the true definition of the world has some type of a positive connotation. And I've lost the actual definition. But anyways, the way that the meeting works is that every single person uh, we had to be we were basically presenting on like different models of evaluation um, for something specifically within the company. So each person had 10 minutes to speak and then there was five to ten minutes where the group could ask you questions back and then the next person would go and they would present for 10 minutes and the group could ask five ten questions but everybody had to basically like fill that 10 minute time or, or approximately um with whatever their recommendation was and yeah it was it was pretty interesting i like doing it yeah yeah i i love it i think it's worth exploring different frameworks for this uh almost no matter the size of the group like because there's always going to be that case as soon as you get into more than a two-person conversation it it just becomes part of the dynamic yeah and i think when you're in a situation of like three people it might just 
be like things that feel like habits like oh we always do it like you know one goes to whatever and then as you get larger it feels more like you know we we implement specific processes and and methods for doing this but i I find it all interesting um i really like facilitating i i i really like being able to create an environment where people um have the opportunity to contribute and collaborate and i think i'm i think i'm fairly good at it um it it exhausts me though i'll be honest like when Mm -hmm. you have a week that's quite heavy on facilitation it's tricky in the morning. It'll be like, oh, I'm just I'm facilitating for two hours, but it takes so much out of you that it's hard to just kind of zone in and do a bunch of work after. So it's it's fulfilling, but it 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 does take a lot out of me for sure. Yeah. Um. So <clears throat> I think that's probably the most interesting thing out of my week, um, work wise, and then um, outside of work. So the last time we were chatting, I was kind of speaking about um, my desire to demystify a specific line of products that I felt were um, quite scientific. And then after our call, I had the pleasure of having to explain that in Spanish for my Spanish class. Um, so that was wildly more complicated if it wasn't already. Um, Man, uh, Julio got me doing the same thing. He was like, I'm going to, you know, get you with your own game and like make you explain like your tech stuff or your, you know, your week. to." And I was like, struggling hard with it <laughs> but yeah <laughs> yeah so that was a fun activity no it's 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 interesting it makes me realize i can articulate more than i think i can um because I, I i felt i could barely articulate what i was doing in english so anyways um <laughs> so um just to summarize to go back so specifically it's a it's a line of skincare products the ordinary they have like a, a very large following they're known for their products being quite scientific in nature um and uh very inexpensive um but understanding how these things work and how they work together is is quite complicated and so in terms of progress that i made this week so i had two separate conversations with people i know who use the products one who is a friend and one who's my younger brother both very different types of individuals just trying to understand like where do they go to get this information now how are they understanding how to use these things and so they linked me to a bunch of different kind of like forums some of them were reddit some of them were like groups on facebook and it's it's interesting it's a lot of just like people asking questions people with knowledge answering but there's not really a good yeah like centralized place that's easily searchable um and then i also was speaking with my younger brother and uh he's a scientist so um the way he thinks about things is a little bit different than the average person but even for him he was basically saying he predominantly used reddit but then he was also speaking about how you know this company is really well known for the fact that they basically just like they choose ingredients that are well proven by scientific studies for the effects that they have on skin and how like it's it would be like cool to see how you could dig into those studies to actually um you know extrapolate the information which i think is a step beyond what i'm going to do right now but i agree that it's it's very interesting and there are a lot of people in the skincare community who are like that deep into the scientifics of it um there's also just that if you if you pursue this like a huge part of starting an online business nowadays is content marketing and there's Mm -hmm. a perfect angle to take whether it's you writing it or people who are like kind of experts on that like uh side of it you know you write up posts around that and it builds up your (laughs) seo and domain authority by having all these people that can link back to you to like clarify the things and then you know that's so just a a thought on that is like whether it's part of the short-term plan or long-term plan it's still uh you know a good idea to to note down 
Yeah, for sure. And I think it's funny. We always go back to how much we hate recipe sites, but um, it always seems relevant. Um, so like, for ex- there's this one site that actually does like a quite a good job covering all of the products, but everything on the site is blog based, which is great. But if I'm really just trying to get a quick answer, it's far too time consuming for me. It's so annoying to me. And I don't know if that's just because of how I'm used to digesting information. Maybe other people like really reading through all this kind of stuff. Cam is shaking his head. No, but um, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think it can be interesting to have those articles, but it's not the method that I want to use to, to be able to kind of like dig into things, especially when it's like across a range of 50 products. So those were interesting conversations. I joined some Facebook groups and just trying to see what people are interested in and, and, and how, yeah, like how they answer questions and, and, and what they're concerned about. Um, are you talking to them directly and asking or like, are you kind of pulling stuff out or are you just get kind of in the conversation? I'm curious on that. I've mostly just been creeping and, and reading posts and replies right now. It's interesting because a lot of these groups have restrictions in terms of like, I wouldn't actually be allowed to post the type of thing that I'm doing there because it's like considered self promotion and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they really are like pretty heavy handed on that kind of stuff. So for now I'm, I'm just kind of, watching i guess um i think even just being in there being helpful and then like if people you know there that's kind of a uh, sales tactic in it in itself is just like being useful on the internet and if you are engaged in those communities where people are at then like that's um that's sometimes enough like over time like people will start to recognize who you are, go to you for advice and then just start messaging you. It feels like a really slow, long winded process and it is, but it's a long haul for, for all this. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good point. I think, um, transparently what I struggle with right now is that I'm not an expert, which is why I have the need to build this thing out because I'm so confused all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. but I wonder how, like, as this, this comes more together, I can leverage that to help give reasonable advice. Like I have advice from my own experiences, but in terms of knowing like all of the ingredients inside out, um, I wouldn't say I'm an expert there, but it's something to definitely like work towards and contribute as uh, to the level that I can right now. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Um, and then the the second thing I basically have been working on is just compiling all of the data, which makes me realize why no one has done this um, because it's extremely time consuming and not very fun. And e- you could automate parts of it, but it, it it might almost be more of a hassle than it's worth at this point based on how the information is organized across the internet. So I'm about 50%, about 50% of the way through kind of the base level information, but then I have to do a bunch of more research on top of that to add the stuff that I think actually provides the value, which is the stuff that is not compiled anywhere and just requires a lot of um, research and compilation. Um, but um, so it's taking me a little bit longer than I thought, but uh, it's been interesting and I'm learning a lot as I do it. So that's been pretty cool. I, I love that process, like because I know that's kind of whether it's automated or not, like there, there was so much manual stuff that I was going through with this brewery thing, just going website to website and, you know, seeing what information is there, what are the structures for how they are setting up shipping details and things that like. I'm not really, um, you know, I'm not putting that data on the site yet, but you know, you start to build a mental model of what the different options are for those. And that helps you to like, kind of, um, plan for, you know, plan for what you might do with that data later, or also just, um, 
I don't know, be kind of, yeah, I guess just um, understand the environment better. So. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, so yeah, like, like I said, it's been, it has, there's been a lot of value to actually going through and reading everything, but boy is distilling knowledge, like a quite a task, um, quite a task. Uh, I think like in the, in the medium term, if this has any usefulness that hopefully parts of it could be automated, but also that I would need some help with, with compiling all of that to keep it up to date, especially because like formulations of things change and so your data can become out of date and yeah, it's there are things to consider. Um, but what, yeah, my, actually, sorry, just one quick note on that is like where again, bringing it back to what I've been working on, but like how I can relate to that is like the ideal for me would be to flip the work back onto the people who are, you know, the users or like the breweries themselves mm-hmm. so that they have a place to go and input this and almost getting user generated content is probably the way to go on that. And kind of like having a system for just monitoring and like voting that up or rating that content um, could, could be helpful. It's a, it's a chunk of work, but you know, you start with a manual on your end and then you eventually kind of flip it and that could help you to, if it's, um, if it's not able to be automated, at least you have this thing. I forget what the tool is from AWS. It's called like, uh, something Turk, uh, oh, mechanical, mechanical Turk. Turk. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's is basically sad, just yeah. people making an API from going and researching data for you. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, to what, to, to your point, I like thought about some mechanisms like, people being able to like report if there's an issue or an error or whatever it is, um, I think could be super, super useful. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else to say about that. No, I hope that I can find some more time this week to finish a preliminary version. And then I want to, I want to spend some time to reread the mom test to see how I can even like to make sure that I'm floating this by the right people in the right way. Um, cause there's a few people that I want to show it to, um, and just understand the utility of it. But I know there's a million wrong ways to do that. So, um, that is something that, that I'm thinking about. And for those people who don't know, the mom test is a book that I think has been mentioned a few times on the podcast. Um, maybe you remember the author, Cam, I don't. Oh yeah. It's Rob Fitzpatrick. And, okay, yeah. uh, yeah, it's kind of about sales development, um, customer research. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much it for me today. I will mostly be taking it easy. I don't know about you, but it's also mother's day. So if if people have, you know, mother, well, this is not going to be mother's day when you hear it, but hopefully if you have a mother figure who's been good to you, say happy mother's day. And if not, hopefully you have a happy Sunday. (laughs) Yeah. I, my mom called me yesterday and then I was like, Oh, I was going to call you tomorrow. She's like, Oh, that's so random. I was like, well, it's mother's day. She's like, Oh, I should call my mom tomorrow. (laughs) Well, yeah, I was, I was reminded by my partner to like get my act together on that one. So it's helpful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'll take us out here. People can, uh, go and find our show notes at workpalspodcast.com and they can find us on Twitter at workpals. I don't know why I commercially announced that, but, um, Much better. We'll see you next time. Okay, bye.